Well, it's Saturday morning. It's just gone nine o'clock. You're very welcome along to the gardening show on Midwest Radio with Pori Corkin, obviously. Uh, James, good morning. Good morning good to morning, you, Pori. Long time no see. It is. It's been a while. It must be this time last year since I since you were here in studio with it me. Probably it was. was. Yeah. I think it probably was. Yeah, there at this stage. Have you done any gardening since, since we uh, talked last? Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I have. I'm yet to go out and get the spade and get the soil and get everything ready. Well, you're forgiven with the with the weather we've had since Christmas. It's. Uh, I think everybody has used that excuse not to do anything in the garden. So. Yeah, of course, with the weather that's in it obviously we're looking at the weather forecast there it at the moment it doesn't look too good from this short range forecast. no well it's mild for tomorrow and, and sunday with a little bit of rain i think the rest of the day is going to be relatively dry but the good news is the high pressure is coming in on monday so i was looking at the long range forecast last night so from monday right through till next weekend till st patrick's weekend we're into very high pressure which means the sort of day we got yesterday that beautiful sunny bright day a little bit of a nip in the air possibly but nice dry weather which is really what we want because yeah. that's going to dry up the soil it's going to make the, the conditions superb for people getting back into the garden but one word of caution with the high pressure also comes frosty nights so if listeners have say bedding plants or young plants out in greenhouses or tunnels protect those, put a bit of garden fleece over them uh, at night time. So any tender plants, bedding plants, tomatoes, anything that might be frost sensitive that you might have outside in a in a tunnel or greenhouse or raised bed or whatever, put a bit of protection on those. That's going to be critical. But the good news is from Monday on, we're going to get back into the garden. So there's going to be lots to be done in the garden. So they're there, they have the spade in one they're, hand, they have the, the pots in the absolutely. other. Absolutely. <laughs> there's huge, I was saying that to Deirdre last week, there's huge pent-up demand. People are absolutely just gagging to get back into the garden again. And, and there's so much to be done in the garden. Um, the wet weather has, has created a lot of problems as well in terms of moss and, and uh, just wet areas and making the soil difficult to work. But a, a week of dry weather, particularly if we get windy, frosty type weather, that helps to dry up the soil no end. So you'll be surprised within a week how workable the soil will be, how dry the lawn will get actually ex- over the next few days because uh, frost has that effect on soil. It helps to dry it up as well. But last week we got actually a lot of calls for a lot of questions around what people can do in the greenhouses and their tunnels and the raised beds. And I suppose if anything, they're the areas that you could start with. You can get into the greenhouse and tunnels now, start cleaning them out, take out any old vegetation that might have been there from last year. It's a time to dig over the soil in your tunnel or greenhouse and add in some organic matter. So something like a Seamungus fertilizer, which is an organic seaweed based fertilizer. Add that to the border soil now and start preparing for uh, for the spring because plants like tomato plants are available now for planting. Uh, things like salad crops or the lettuce, all the lettuce plants are available. For lovely varieties like Little Gem or Laura Rossa, they're ready for planting now. So if you've got the benefit of a greenhouse or a tunnel, my advice is to start there over the weekend. Clean them out, tidy them up, put in some, uh, some nutrition back into the soil uh, and start planting up some plants in the greenhouse because it's going to be great weather next week. You're going to see quite warm temperatures in the greenhouse and tunnel and uh, lots of new growth. And sowing seed, March is always the time to yeah. start sowing plants from seed. So I'm thinking about summer bedding planks like petunias and geraniums. They all should be planted from seed at this time of year. So again, if you have a nice warm windowsill maybe in the house or in the garage or again in a greenhouse or tunnel, that's the sort of jobs I would be doing in the tunnel and greenhouse. Getting plants started because the tomato plants are there, the vegetable plants are there, herbs, you could start putting them in there. Maybe some early potatoes as well in pots and containers and um, start planting them all up now and getting them into the greenhouse and tunnel because 
there you've got the extra benefit of a nice protected environment. Plants just kick into growth and you get that early spring start on plants. And the soil isn't too wet either. That's the beauty. You see over the winter the soil has been protected. It will need, particularly if you've grown plants in it last year, it will need some TLC. So dig in some compost, put in that seamongous as I mentioned. That's important to put back the nutrition back in the soil again. But really with the greenhouse and tunnel it gives you kind of a month start, head start on planting plants out of doors. Um, so a really good strawberries for example. Plants are available now. If you put them in your greenhouse, pot them up, put them into the greenhouse now, they'll come into flower in about the middle of April and you'll have fantastic fruit by the end of May, early June. So the greenhouse and the tunnel gives you that month start, that head start on the season and particularly with the good weather coming from Monday yeah. on, the temperatures are going to rise in the tunnel and you're going to see lots of early growth. Another little tip for people, if it, seed sometimes can be a, bit, a little bit difficult, uh, certainly varieties like busy lizzies and petunias, that can be, A, the seed can be a little bit expensive to buy but it can be tricky to get it to germinate and you can actually get at this time of year what we call baby plants which are small little bedding plants that are already have been raised from seed in the nurseries. And the nurseries put them on sale at this time of year. So they're plants that are about maybe three or four weeks old. They're quite sturdy now, quite strong. You get 20 in a pack and they're ideal for potting up if you've got a greenhouse or tunnel and you want to grow on your own geraniums or petunias or busy lizzies. They're a great way of growing plants now if you've got that protected environment. So... I just noticed from the questions last week, quite a number of people were just wondering, well, okay, what can I do in the greenhouse now? And there's lots of things you can be using the greenhouse really to get that early kickstart for the garden. Can people start um, killing the lawn moss now as well? Yeah, it was a big question uh, last week and I think <laughs> we haven't dared to agree that we'd, we'd deal with it comprehensively last week because it was, um, I think everyone has moss this year. It's yeah. really just down to the, the very wet weather that we've had um, all lawns have moss this year and moss you'll see on paving slabs and, and concrete areas as well and it's just down to the high humidity and mild weather we had. So yes this week would be a good time to tackle that to get rid of moss in the lawn and, and I suppose the, the, the treatment I use is the Osmo Moss Remover because it doesn't blacken the lawn. It'll Once you apply it the, the, the moss starts to wither and die and it returns back into the soil without it going black so you don't get this blackening effect and of course with the Osmo Moss Remover you also got a very good feed so it'll yeah. actually green up the lawn without forcing it as well. So moss can be tackled certainly from Monday onwards um, once, the, once it's, the lawn is that you can walk on it without it squelching Oh yeah, yeah. So depending on exactly. So depending on your lawn, uh, it really depends. You know, so leave it a couple of days if it's quite wet. You can use the Osmo Moss Remover anytime through March, early April. So you've plenty of time to do it. But if if weather conditions, which they should be for next week or next weekend, get out there and start getting rid of the moss. Yeah, it is. It's a major problem this year. And I, and I, I noticed a question actually even this morning. A listener had a lot of moss on amongst their shrubs, so okay. it's actually spreading into the shrub beds. And where you've got moss, say, through shrubs or through a rose bed, you can use a, a, a product called Green Up, which is a, a powder. You mix it in water, you spray it onto the moss in the, the shrub bed or, or shrub area, and that'll just kill off the moss as well. It, it works very rapidly. So moss is certainly going to be a feature this this year, in the yep. spring. It's going to be in every garden, really. I'm sure there'll be plenty of questions to there come will. before there will the indeed, end of the programme. There will indeed, OK, so speaking of questions, um, pe people are invited, of course, to get in touch with any queries for Pori Corkin. 087-900-4141 if you'd like to text them into us. Studio at midwestradio.ie via email or 0818-3055. Are we ready for a break, Pete? Let's take a break yeah, yeah, and come okay. back to the questions. We'll take a break and we're back with the questions for Pori Corkin after these. 
And you're very welcome back following the commercial break of course it is the gardening show here on Midwest Radio with Porik Horkin uh, we're getting straight into the questions Porik first question on the agenda what with night frost next week is it too soon to prune roses no no uh, no absolutely not you, like it, it disregard the, the night that we're going, the fact that we're going to have frost roses need to be pruned now and indeed it's a good time of year to actually prune quite a number of plants so first of all roses cut them back hard and once you cut them back feed them as well um so it's, it was actually a topic i covered on Ireland AM uh, okay. this Thursday so if people want to podcast that go back onto the, the website Ireland AM you'll see me actually physically pruning the rose back and it shows how severe to prune them back so cut them back this weekend absolutely the frost won't affect them and feed them straight away so put on something like a sudden impact high potash feed for roses at this time of year but also plants like hydrangeas should be pruned back now fuchsias hypericum um, any of the summer flowering shrubs or roses, now is the time to get out there and start cutting them back. So over the next couple of days, free free, cut them back, tidy them up and give them a good feed. Fruit bushes like gooseberries, blackcurrants, all of those can be cut back at this time of year as well. So the frost won't do any damage to any plant that you cut back. So really use the dry weather to get out there and start tidying the plants up, feeding them at the same time. And within three to four weeks, you'll get a nice burst of new Starting growth. this week. Starting this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. OK, I have a lot of slugs in my tunnel before I plant my veg seeds. Uh, how can I get rid of these quickly or is it too early? No, it's not. And, and slugs, again, because of the wet weather, are going to be a big feature this year. In the mild winter, slugs have actually done very well, a bit like the moss. But uh, <laughs> to get rid of them in a tunnel, what I would use is the uh, slug liquid. It's it's uh, it's a clear liquid. You mix it with water, apply it to the the ground um, before you start planting, and within a day or two, it will have uh, killed off any slugs that are there. So yeah, it's a good idea actually to do that because slugs are going to be a big feature this year, and there's no point putting down a lot of fresh seed, and the slugs will just take advantage of that straight away. So that's actually quite a very good a good tip to to get rid of those slugs now. And the, the slug liquid is very safe to use. Once you apply it, it's invisible on the soil, so pets or children or birds can't see it. But once the slug comes in contact with it, it'll kill it off. So that's actually a very good... Um and slugs can be used also as a, as part of compost, can they? Or am I, is that a rumour? <laughs> well, well, there's no harm in putting them into your compost heap. The slug won't mind. The dead slug won't mind. But um, no, they, look, the key thing really is is to get to, to treat them now because they are going to be a major problem this year. Mm-hmm. And particularly where on bedding plants or young seedlings, they, one night, they're nocturnal, they come out at night time and one night can have see your, your seedlings absolutely yeah. uh, diminished, you know. So it's important to get, get control of them. Okay, you mentioned instant flower that I can grow from seeds last week. Can you give me the name of them? I did. I was talking to Deirdre about um, a collection of seeds. It's it's made by Growsure and it's a, it's a compilation of about 30 or 40 seeds that are put together with compost and fertiliser. And I think the question last week was somebody was looking for a bit of instant colour somewhere that could sow some flowers from seed. So you can buy a pack of Growsure. It contains all the flower seeds to give you okay. colour from June right through to October, November. But it also contains the compost and the fertiliser. So it's a simple pack. You spread it onto the area that you want a bit of colour in, the flower border, rake it in and just step back. And within three or four weeks, those seeds will germinate and come into flower about the middle of June and flower through to the autumn. So they're called instant flowers. It might be a good start for myself, would it? <laughs> I tell you, it's an ideal product for somebody that just wants to give seeds because the collection of seeds they've picked are hardy annuals, which means you can put them directly out into the border soil. The frost won't affect them. Um, 
you do need to keep an, an eye on the slugs, all right, with okay. them. But they'll germinate within the soil. So you simply just sprinkle them onto the area, rake them in. So if you've got a little flower board you want a bit of colour in, or maybe, you know, a, a little bit of a, a nice sunny area, they just want a bit of summer colour, something that will flower from June till October. Um, that's quite a good. The pack contains everything you need. So yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be out at night guarding the <laughs> flowers from that's the it, slugs. That's huh? it. <laughs> now the M word has came up again. Moss again has came up in this next question. How do I get rid of moss in my flower beds and rose beds? Well, that was the the, the, the question I mentioned at the top of the program. That so obviously the, the moss is spreading into the shrub borders and rose beds. Yeah. So um, use the the uh, the green up the moss-free green-up. It's a powder, you mix it with water, just spray it onto the moss that's on the flower board or a bed. You can actually even spray it onto the rose plant itself and that will kill the moss off. It'll do it within a day or two and this sort of weather is ideal to apply that. Okay, I find carrots hard to grow. I okay. saw them each year in early March but they are poor to sprout and grow on. Is there an easy type and what do you recommend? Well, the, the two good varieties, one is called Flyaway, which is made by from Thompson & Morgan. It's a, it's quite a good variety of carrot in that it's a, an early Nantes variety, which means it, it produces its um, roots very early in the season. It's also resistant to carrot root fly. So look for that one. That one. It's made by Thompson & Morgan, uh, flyaway carrot, carrot seed. What you find with carrots is if the temperatures are cold and, you know, this March it has been quite cool and quite wet. If you sow them too early, you get very erratic germination or no germination at all. Okay. So they're often better left until the end of March, early April to sow. And what I normally do is when you're sowing them, rather than put, covering them with compost, or with, rather than covering them with garden soil, cover them with garden compost. So get yourself a bag of compost, shamrock or bordemona compost, sow the seed into the drill and then cover it with the, a layer of compost and the seeds find it easier to germinate in the compost mix rather than garden soil and you'll get a better germination rate. So it's a little early yet, wait for the, the soil to dry out a little bit, wait for the temperatures to rise. So I would leave them till about the 1st of April. I don't think you really gain anything by, by sowing them early. Unless you're sowing them in a tunnel or a greenhouse, then by all means that could be done at this time of year and still use the bit of compost to get them to germinate. But sowing them directly out of doors, carrots are sensitive to temperatures and, and soil conditions. So 1st of April, soon enough, and try that trick with them when you're sowing the seed re-backfill re with a compost mix rather than your garden soil and I think you'll get far better germination and more even germination as well. Okay. I'm and that's a good variety that um, fly away. There's another one called Resistifly Resist which, again is, which again is resistant to carrot root fly which can be a pest on carrots during the summer. Anyone growing carrots will know that pest uh, and both those varieties fly away and Resistifly are two good varieties for uh, where you don't have to use chemicals to keep the plants clean of carrot root fly. I'm so telling you, it won't be long till I'm out in the garden, Porrick. <laughs> Flug, uh, slugs so, and root fly. I mean, Better watch out for them. <laughs> okay, morning. Two of my children would love to grow a tall sunflower from seed right. as a competition. Okay, yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> okay, tell them how to do this. Yeah, well, well, sunflowers are, they're great for children because they germinate. First of all, the seed is quite large. So when you're, when they get a, the packet of seed, it's not this tiny little speck of a seed. They're quite big, uh, the, the seed themselves. So they're great for children to sow because they can physically see the seed and, and push it into the compost. So what you do is get a simple pot of compost, uh, water the compost beforehand, then put about three or four seeds into each pot and leave them on, cover them with a little bit of cling film or put them into a polythene bag and sit them on a, on a 
windowsill indoors. So they need to be inside, maybe with a radiator just underneath them. And the seed will germinate in about 10 days. So very quickly the children will see the seed coming through the soil. And sunflowers by their nature are very vigorous. So on the windowsill they'll put inside the next five or six weeks, they'll put on about six or eight inches of growth. They can be planted out of doors then around the middle of May. So once the frost has passed, once we're back into nice warm weather, about the middle of May, when you typically put out bedding plants, you plant out your sunflowers. And my advice really is when you're planting them out of doors is to add a lot of organic matter or compost because they're very hungry feeders. So you could use something like the Seamongous Fertiliser or a good garden compost when you're planting them out. Make sure you put a strong stake on them so a bamboo cane or something to keep them nice and straight. Yeah. And that's it. The children should water them, obviously, during the summer months if, if the weather's dry and feed them with something like the liquid feed. And they'll come into flower from about the middle of July right up to September, they stay in flower. And they're great, really, because the bees love them in the summer months. So the bees will come and pollinate the flowers. And then the sunflower seeds head flower heads produce seed themselves so each flower head will produce up to 50 or 60 seed alone and the birds will feed on those during the autumn period so they're a great way to get children a sowing seed and planting plants and seeing them grow because you're seeing a plant that'll grow from literally a small little seed by mid-June it'll be four or five feet high by September that plant could be anything up to eight or nine feet high they don't need to be too patient they don't and (laughs) nearly you can see the plant growing day by day particularly Mm. as we go into this so they're great for children so it's an ideal way uh, to start great thing maybe for a school to do as well and sunflower seed one variety I'd recommend is one called Russian Giant it produces a huge, big dinner plate sized flower. It'll grow to eight or nine feet in ideal conditions. And that'll be an ideal variety. So again, Thompson and Morgan do them. Look for that pack, Russian giant. There'll be 50 or 60 seed in the pack alone. Wow. So it'll sow plenty of sunflower seeds. So an ideal for maybe a school to do. Yeah, or this a project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. why not? Have a go. Okay, <clears> I have <throat> a, a peach and nectarine tree in my greenhouse. Both flower well each year, but only a few fruit form. Any okay. tips? Well, the thing with peaches and nectarines is A, they're, they're very easy to grow. So anyone that has a greenhouse or tunnel should, should give them a go. Um, and, they, and in Ireland, they produce beautiful sized fruit. Um, uh, even uh, where was I last year I was in the Botanic Gardens actually last summer and they have the they grow them outside peaches and nectarines on the sunny south facing walls so uh, if you've got a nice bright sunny wall you can actually grow them out of doors the thing with both of them is that they flower early so they're coming they're nearly coming into flower as we speak there's certainly the little pink buds will be on the plants and we don't have insect movement at this time of year so you're not getting the bees or the insects in to pollinate the flowers so mm. you need to do that yourself so you need to get your paintbrush out and paint the flowers, pass the pollen from one flower to another with peaches and nectarines. And they t- typically flower over maybe a four-week period, three to four-week period. So they'll come into flower probably next week with, with warm weather. You'll see the first of the flowers beginning to open. So over the next two or three weeks, the listener needs to go out with a little paintbrush and just dab each of the flowers. Just move around from one flower to the next. Just uh, that's a, a just method. the movement. Is just it? just physically putting the brush into the flower. Pollen will come. You're mimicking what a garden bee would do to a flower. So the bee moves around, sucking the nectar out of the flower, but takes the pollen onto its body. So the brush mimics that, and you're passing the pollen from one flower. So the 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 listener is saying that they flower well but he doesn't get any fruit. So the problem is pollination. They're not being pollinated. The flowers are just sitting there. The insects aren't visiting them and obviously the listener isn't visiting with them either with the bane brush. So if you try that over the next two or three weeks just go from one flower to the other uh, 
pass the pollen from one to the other and you'll get a very good set. What the listener will actually have to do in a month's time is take out remove some of the fruit because you can't allow all the fruit to develop. On a typical peach tree or nectarine, you would expect maybe a dozen fruit. Allow a dozen to form. And they'll continue to grow and form during the summer months. By June, early July, they'll be ready for picking. And they're very easy to grow. They're in the prunus and the cherry family. Um, and as I said, in the Botanic Gardens, they grow them out of doors. They're that hardy. So, so the trick really is, it's just, a, it's just a pollination problem. The pollen is not being transferred from one flower to the other. I'm fascinated with that. So I get didn't realise that works. <laughs> your paintbrush, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they used to use a rabbit's tail one time for, to do it. But really? anyway, yes. But a anyway, the, paint, the, pa- the paintbrush might be a bit more ethical. <laughs> <clears throat> So it's really just, that's all the problem is, James, is the, the, the plants aren't being pollinated. Okay, very good. That's a very, very and great And liquid advice. feed them, give them a bit of liquid feed during the summer months, um, something like liquid one or tomato food. You know, all of, you, you do the normal kind of care that you would say for strawberries or for grapes or any other plant. But the trick really with both of those is just simple hand pollination. Now, one more before we go for yep. another break, Porik. I think you may have well have covered this one already. Is it too late to trim back shrubs and rose bushes? No, no. And, and like I said, the, the and roses you see this year, uh, we had quite a lot of questions on roses because people left them. A lot of them were flowering up to Christmas. Indeed, I think Deirdre did a question last week where a listener had one oh, still in flower. And people are seeing young growth starting on the roses. So they're worried about pruning them back. But you need to prune them severely back. That's important to do that um, and feed them at the same time. So generally the rule of thumb for pruning is anything that flowers in the summer like hydrangeas like roses like mm-hmm. hypericum um, any of those summer flowering plants you prune at this time of year anything that flowers in the springtime like lilacs or forsythii or red currant anything that's blooming kind of from now to June you prune after it finishes flowering okay afterwards afterwards so think about the plant that's flowering in springtime so anything that's flowering over the next couple of weeks camellias rhododendrons azaleas forsythii red currant brooms those plants that flower up to june you leave them alone at this time of year you don't do anything with them you enjoy the flowers but once the flower starts to go that's the trigger to prune those plants back anything that's summer flowering like roses hydrangeas hypericum all the summer flowering plants they're pruned at this time of year so fruiting plants like gooseberries, you know, where you're enjoying the fruit in the, in the summer, you, they're pruned back at this time of year. Okay, okay. thanks, Porik. So. Well, now we'll, we leave you to have a, a little sip of water and a well-deserved break after that, Porik. Uh, if you do want to get in touch with Porik and any queries for The Gardening Show, uh, 87 941 with thanks to CNC Cellular. Studio at midwestradio.ie on the email or 0818 We're back with loads more after this break. Welcome back. Following the com- commercial break, uh, Porik have tree fern in cold glasshouse. Still has old fronds. Uh, well, I cut these before putting out a May or leave them on. Yes, cut them back. I would cut them back now, actually, and I'd leave the I'd leave the um, I'd leave the tree fern in the in the greenhouse for another couple of weeks. Not not planted out till about the end of April. You know, until the weather warms. And you see the new fronds actually coming from the top of the tree fern. So yes, now is the time to cut back out those dead fronds. They are gone now. So remove those sharp secateurs. Cut them right tight back to the head crown, and that'll encourage actually the new fronds to come forward. 
Okay. Um, when is the best time to reduce sycamore trees? Well, now you can you can prune them back. If the listener wants to cut them back, now is the time to uh, to go out there and start cutting them back before they come into growth. And sycamore have a great ability to, you can prune them quite severely and they reshoot again. So they're one of those trees that you can actually uh, cut back tightly and, okay. and they rejuvenate again. So, yeah, by all means... Well, any any time over the next day, two weeks before they come into significant growth, that's the time to cut them back. This is a good one now, Porik. Okay, because you're going to enlighten me as well. <laughs> Are the flowers of Sweet William edible? Uh, from my memory, my grandmother used them in ice cream. Oh, yeah, Sweet William. Yeah, and they're going to be coming into flower actually in the next uh, in the next uh, four weeks. April normally is when April May sort of period. They're in early summer flowering. They're in the dianthus family in the in the carnation family, right. and they are edible. The flowers are actually edible. They have a kind of a zesty, zingy, kind of limey sort of a flavour to them. So they're often used in sorbets, ice creams. You can use them in loads of different uh, anything where you want a bit of zing, I suppose, put into the into the. Um, into the dish, but they're totally edible. Now, the white part, when you when you pluck the flowers out, they, ha- they have a small piece of white uh, stem. Cut that off because that's that there's, there's, that's quite tough. Okay. So just take the actual flower itself. Uh, and Sweet Williams come in a range of colours from pinks, reds, whites, uh, all that sort of a, a spectrum of colours. So they look really well in sorbets or ice cream. I can see why they would have been used. But so they're totally edible. Um, so yeah, they won't be in flower, as I said, until April, early May. Um, so yeah, you can use them in, in lots of dishes. So if I was to go out to a restaurant or go out <laughs> looking for an ice cream, would I maybe spot that but not realise? I wouldn't say, well, I don't, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, like lots of flowers can be are edible, like borage, rosemary flowers, uh, loads and loads of flowers, pansies, violas, okay. and they're often used in some um, in some restaurants as a to garnish or to to dress a dessert or, or a dish. Um, but and and you know there's so many that are edible. But Sweet William would be and Sweet William have that kind of a zesty, limey taste to them. Um, so I suppose that's why they're used in in ice cream and sorbets and and dishes just to give that extra bit of zing. That little bit of zing, Porik. <laughs> no, if you went into a restaurant and asked for Sweet William flowers, they might look at you. But certainly they are edible. There's no problem. I'll certainly them. be on lookout there for the go. Sweet William flowers. Go. Now, I got winter spinach growing since winter and right. winter cabbage. Will it keep growing during the year or will I have to sow a new seed? Well, no, the, the spinach, the, the trick with spinach is to keep picking it, keep cropping it. And by, by the more you crop it, and as you know, you need a lot of spinach to make anything worthwhile. So when you're cooking spinach, you're, you're actually qu- cropping quite a bit of it. But that keeps the plant young and it keeps it in producing new shoots continuously during the summer months. So the trick with spinach is to continue to crop it right through the summer period, even if you have to freeze it and hold it through the, you know, if you're not going to use it straight away, the more you trim it, the, you rejuvenate the plant and it continually produces fresh new growth. And the best flavour for spinach is always in the younger leaves, the younger foliage. So regular cropping is highly advisable. Winter cabbage, you're going to use that. It's going to start producing its heads in April and May, you're going to be cutting it and you need to replant. And a good idea is to actually start some planting some plants now. Uh, so varieties like Hispe, you can, they're available in garden centres at the moment, which is a beautiful summer cabbage. So it's cabbage Hispe, you can be planted out of doors, it's frost hardy. Young plants, they're only three or four inches high at this time of year. But if you plant them out now, they'll be ready in about six or eight weeks for cutting. So there'll be a nice 
crop to continue on from this listener's winter cabbage. So you, this listener will be using the winter cabbage anytime from the end of March, April sort of period. If he plants some hispay cabbage now or sows some seed of, of cabbage, then you'll have a continuous cutting right through the summer period. Okay, um, that's one another one question. Another yeah. another one answer. No one down. Put that about a hundred now. Um, <laughs> I love growing beetroot and use it from July okay. to November. Right uh, from the garden. Are there any good types to grow for pickling that I can use in springtime? Yeah, and, and beetroot it, it pickles very well. Um, you go for varieties that produce smaller um, smaller bulbs or s- smaller globes. So there's one called woodan. W-O-D-A-N. It's an F1 variety. And if you're buying seed, a little tip to look for is look for that symbol F1, the the letter F, the the number one. And that denotes something of particularly good quality in in the seed. You might pay a few extra cents for the seed, but generally they're of a better quality seed. So, for example, that variety, wood and beetroot, that produces nice small bulbs that don't go to seed, they don't bolt, and they make perfect sized uh, roots for pickling. So they're an ideal one to grow now. You sow the seed out of doors at this time of year, you lift them in July, early August, and then you pickle them for the winter period, put them into jars and, and store them for the winter and you can use them very well. There's another lovely variety called Rainbow, which is in, again in the Thompson and Morgan range. Again, it's an F1 variety. And Rainbow is a mixture of different colours. So you've got red beetroot, you've got pink, you've got yellow. So there's lots of different colours within that. So from that one packet of seed, you'll have quite a number of different varieties within the one packet. And it gives a lovely, again, they're suitable for pickling. So they produce small beetroot sized uh, globes and perfect for putting in jars through the winter period. And both of those can be sown at this time of year. You mentioned the different varieties there. F1. Um, Is there an F2 and F3? No, no, generally it's F1 F1 and and F1 varieties. You'll see like a great, a great example of this would be cabbage mini coal F1. Right. Okay. It's a particular variety of cabbage that you, when you buy the seed, it might cost you five or six euros. You'll have about maybe 50 or 60 seed in the pack. Uh, the variety of mini coal produces small heads of cabbage that don't bolt, so which means that they don't run to seed, which means that if you sow the entire packet, when they form their their cabbage, when they're, they're make kind of a small football-sized cabbage, perfect for two or three people, so there's very little waste in them, but they don't get any bigger. They just sit there waiting for you to come along and cut them. Okay. So there's no waste from them. And they're perfect, say, for growing in greenhouses and tunnels because they take up very little space. But also for, for many houses, the trouble with a big cabbage plant is that you don't, you don't use the head, you're throwing out half of it. Whereas this mini cold variety produces nice small heads, uh, very solid head. It's kind of a whitish, light yellowish cabbage, very nice flavour from it as well. Um, and it's just a particularly good variety. So when you see the term F1, they've been bred for a particular reason. A good example again was the carrot fly I mentioned. Oh, yeah. It's It's... Carrot flyaway F1, and it's been bred specifically to resist the carrot root fly. So it's a particular quality. It's a better standard, as it were. Of of of, of I'm trying to give you a, a human analogy, but there probably isn't one. But it, so it's a better breed. The breeders have bred the plants to, for a particular quality or characteristic. And so when you see that F1 on packets, it denotes it might be a better smelling. It might be a flower that's better for cutting. In the case of the cabbage mini coal, it just pr- produces a perfect size head that doesn't get any bigger. And okay. it means you've got a longer cropping period. So you have very, very little waste with that variety. 
You're making me hungry now at all this talk <laughs> of cabbage and carrots. Uh, used the Osmo last year. Good. Found it good, as Deirdre said last week. Should I use it on my lawn again this spring? Only small patches of mass visible. Yeah, I, I would. I'd, I'd use it again because remember with the Osmo, you've also got a feed. It's a very, very good feed. And as Deirdre said last week, it greens the lawn. It gives it a really, really rich green colour without forcing growth. So you don't get this big jump of growth. You get a really nice colour. So, and I, and I said this last week that all lawns, irrespective of you treated them last year, there's going to be some patches of moss there this year. So putting on the Osmo again, apply it to the entire lawn area and that'll eliminate any of those patches of moss. But more importantly, it'll actually feed the lawn and give it a really good colour. And the other point I was making to, to Deirdre last week was that the amount of rain we've had this year, Plants are hungry, they're very yellow in colour, lawns are yellow, laurels are yellow, shrubs in general are very yellow because the, the nutrition has been washed away from the soil. So feeding this year is going to be very important. So feeding your lawns, feeding your trees and shrubs, feeding plants in general is critical this year because a lot of the nutrition has... I was looking at some rubber plants during the week and they're just not growing like they should be because they level of nutrition isn't there this year it's been washed out so feeding is going to be very critical um, so for your trees and shrubs something like the, uh, the uh, a good tr- quality tree and shrub fertilizer should be applied this time of year because remember next week we're back into that growth again and plants are going to be looking searching for that nutrition and if you don't give it to them you're going to get a very yellowish color this year for many plants and rhubarb won't perform as it should and you know it just needs plants are going to need that extra feed this year Certainly, it's been a disaster so far. Well, it's, been, it's just been for so wet, James. I mean, mm. it, you know, it's been so mild, so plants have come into growth. But just the constant level of rainfall um, does wash nutrition away, and you've got to, you need to replace that, particularly for hungry plants. Those plants like rhubarb or potatoes or laurel hedging that need a bit, that bit of nutrition. Okay, okay. Uh, so, is it possible now to cut black? black laurel hedge by about five or six feet and also to trim the sides. It has got very big. To cut it back, yeah, there's absolutely no problem. Laurel has the great ability to reshoot again. So if it's got out of hand, yes, go out there. You'll actually see the growth starting already on laurel. So yeah, this is a good time of year. Get out the the, uh, hedge trimmers, cut it back hard. You can reduce it by two or three feet if you wish. But when you prune, you feed. And remember that, that always goes hand in hand. So if you're cutting back your laurel hedge, the plant is going to get a bit of a shock because you've pruned it back severely. Give it a bit of feed and it'll come back into growth. And within two or three weeks, you'll be surprised how well, how lovely fresh new growth will come on the plant. So always when we prune, we feed. That's, they go hand in hand. Always remember that. Always remember that. Prune, no no matter if you're pruning, some plants, as I mentioned, the spring flowering shrubs you will be pruning in kind of midsummer. you prune them at that time of year as well, or you feed them at that time of year as well because you want the plant to put on new growth. After cutting it back, you want to stimulate it to come back into new growth and, and by the only way to do that is by actually applying some fertiliser to it. Now, this next listener has horse manure. Great. And they're wondering, uh, can they use it in the veg garden? Yes, you can. And the, the main thing, first of all, is that it's well rotted. So it should be at least six months seasoned. Um, and use it on hungry plants. So do not use it on your carrots, your parsnip. Don't use it on root crops because it'll cause problems. It'll cause them to fork. It'll cause them to become distorted. Use it on hungry plants, potatoes cabbage, anything in the in the brassica family. So uh, you can use it on broccoli, cabbage, potatoes, rhubarb, blackcurrants, 
those sort of plants that need lots of feeding and lots of growth and, and that are hungry, that's where to use the organic matter. And into that ground, so grow the potatoes where you use the, and use the manure and into that ground next year, that's where you put your carrots, your parsnips, your beetroot, all the root crops. So one should follow the other. So you keep the manure for hungry plants, plants that need lots of nutrition and lots of fertilizers. And think of it, you know, if you even just think about it, plants like potatoes, they're growing from nothing, from a tuber to three feet in a very short period. There, this rhubarb grows from literally nothing to two or three feet within a couple of weeks. So they're the sort of plants that need lots of feeding. So organic matter is perfect for those and you can layer it on quite heavily on those. Cabbage is same is the same. You're producing a lot of leafy growth. So organic matter is great for that. But for root crops, things like um, peas and beans, any of the uh, carrots, parsnips, beetroots, turnips, don't put fresh manure on those. Use a little bit of granulated fertilizer, or grow them in ground that was was uh, manured last year. Okay, and what's the reason for that then? For the, the reason mainly is that the if you it's carrots, parsnips, any of those root crops have very sensitive roots, and if if you put organic matter, farmer manure. Uh, horse manure, any of those, they scorch the tip of the root and it ends up with the plant becoming stunted or forking. So typically you'll get two, the, the, the carrot will actually fork and become stunted. It won't produce a proper long stem, root stem. So fresh manure has that effect on those plants. So it's better left to the more hungry plants. So stick to the spuds, stick to the brassicas, stick to rhubarb, blackcurrants. That's where I would use the organic matter. And in that ground the following year, I would grow my root crops. Could you tell me what is the best thing to do with a hawthorn hedge I sowed last year? I didn't cut it back to four feet yet. And they want to cut it back to four feet, is it? Could you tell me what is the best thing to do with the hawthorn hedge I sowed last year? I didn't cut it back to four feet yet. Yeah, well, so. if it's only sown last year, the, the ideal thing is to tip it back. So, and by that, I mean just taking the kind of whatever growth it made last year. So say the plants are four feet high, shorten the back to three feet and shorten the side shoots as well. And the reason for that is that you'll get the plants to fill in as a good tight hedge. You'll encourage side branching on the hawthorn and it'll actually fill in together. So rather than just, if you if you just leave them alone, they'll continue to grow and they'll be very whippy and very gappy and you won't have a nice full hedge. So shorten it back by eight, nine inches, even it off. Cut the side stems as well. And when we cut back, what do we do? We prune. No, we no, feed. feed. We prune, feed. Prune feed. <laughs> yeah. Prune feed. So yeah, got it. Tip, right. tip back the, the white thorn, the hawthorn, and then put uh, some granulated fertilizer around the base. Something like Grow More, the Prosex, a tree and shrub feed, and that'll get it back into growth again. And the pruning has the effect of getting the plant to produce multi stems. So you're encouraging the hedge to fill in as a nice tight hedge rather than growing very leggy. And, you know, it, it nearly kind of counteracts. Most people are thinking, well, I want a tall hedge. So if I cut it back, I'm never going to get that tall hedge. But if you don't cut it back, you're going to get a hedge that's very gappy, bare at the base. It's not going to be full. By tipping it back, it doesn't impede the overall height of the hedge. It just gets the plant to fill in nice and full and create a nice... You're, you're training the hedge to be a nice, full, dense hedge, which is, you know, for Hawthorne in particular, that's what the listener wants. I'll learn yet, Porrick. You will. So, bit by prune, bit. feed, <laughs> prune, prune, feed. Remember that. Remember that. It's as simple as that. When you prune tip plants back, roses or hawthorn or whatever it might be, you feed at the same time because you're, you're encouraging the plant to produce new growth. Now, we mentioned the weather earlier on. We have about 12, 11, 12 minutes to go, Porrick. Right. Um, from Monday, the weather is going to start getting better. We've mentioned uh, greenhouses already. 
But what can people start preparing themselves to do well, I would the be garden? The, the kind of key things I would be thinking of at the moment would be planting for the for grow your own. So think of things like onions, shallots, garlic, rhubarb plants. They should be planted in the garden now. They're, they're frost hardy. There's no problem planting them out. So once the soil conditions, once you can work the soil, if, you, if you've got raised beds or you've got an area in the garden that you can actually work the soil, start putting in your onions, your shallots, your garlic, your rhubarb plants, asparagus, artichokes, they can all be planted out of doors at this time of year. Sowing seed, we're coming to the time of year, uh, mid-March, for particularly things like cabbage, beetroot, we've, we've mentioned already, parsnips, they can be sown from seed, peas, garden peas, uh, beans, broadleaf, be- the broadleaf beans, all of those can be sown from seed directly out of doors, putting them out into ridges or into raised beds. And indeed, if you're fortunate to have the greenhouse in the tunnel, it's also the ideal area and environment for sowing flower seed. All the summer bedding plants can be sown from flower seed at this time of year. Um, I, the, the general pruning, I think we've kind of touched on that, but also hedges should be pruned back this time of year. So if you've got Portuguese laurel or privet or boxwood, they all should get a a, a tight trimming back now and you feed at the same time because you, you were going to get that growth very quickly. In the fruit garden, I would be planting strawberries, I'd be planting the rhubarb, planting fruit trees in general. It's a good time of year for actually putting plants in the garden. So if you want to put in a, a nice little orchard or some gooseberries or blackcurrants or strawberries, this is the time of year to get them into the ground. It's also a good time of year to prune plants back, prune your apple trees, your pears, your plums. And Well, plums leave for another couple of weeks, but apples and pears, gooseberries, blackcurrants, uh, blueberries, raspberries, they should be pruned back at this time of year. And again, we, we feed at this time of year as well. S- spring colour, a lot of containers, baskets are looking a bit bare. It's a good time of year to actually put in a bit of spring colour, particularly coming up to St. Patrick's weekend. So there's a lot of dwarf tulips, daffodils, crocus available now in pots that you can put into containers for a bit of colour. Um, it's also a good time to plant primroses, pansies, violas, cyclamen. They're all flowering now and will continue to flower right through to the end of April, early May. So if you want to add a little bit of colour, say, to pots and containers, then they're perfect for getting in there now and, and, and just adding that little bit of spring colour that we're missing in many gardens. And speaking of bulbs, uh, summer colour, you know, thinking June and July, maybe having some cut flowers in the garden. Plants like dahlias, lilies, begonias, they should be potted up now. Put on a warm windowsill or in your greenhouse, get them sprouted, get them started. And bulbs like gladioli, scented lilies, they can be planted out into the garden soil to flower there for next, or for, for, for this summer. So if you want a nice bit of colour, say in July and August, start planting some of those gladioli bulbs. Sweet pea, should be, and going back to the man with that had the horse manure, yeah. if you're planting sweet pea, the best way to grow it is to dig a trench about a foot deep, fork in a good layer of rotten manure into the base of the trench, backfill with soil so you're creating a small little ridge, plant your sweet peas foot apart on the top of the soil and you'll have a ball of colour in July, August, September, October, November next year. Sweet peas love that organic matter. And again, you're dealing with a plant that's only four or five inches high at the moment, but will grow to seven or eight feet by this July. So the organic matter will drive it on and encourage lots of big flowery blooms on it. So sweet peas can be planted. They're available as plants now in the garden centres and you can plant them out into the garden soil, particularly if you've got some organic matter and you'll have a tremendous show of colour this, this from late June, early July onwards. So there's lots to be done in the garden. If, if listeners have, say, bare patches in the lawn, 
this will be a good week to repair those, to put down a little bit of seed. You can, again, buy the seed. And there's one called Patch Magic, which is a mixture of lawn seed, fertiliser and compost all mixed together. You simply sprinkle it onto the area. It germinates and within three or four weeks, it, it patches up or it refills those areas. So I would be, it's really that time of year, James, where you're really getting ready for your sowing seeds, your planting bulbs, you're putting out your veg plants, so the cabbage, the broccoli, mm. the lettuce, they're all available for planting, the onions, the garlic. It's really, they're the sort of tasks I would be doing over the next, certainly over the next five or six days with this weather, good, good dry, weather yeah, weather finally coming. You, Is there anything like, I've missed? Uh, I think I spotted something <laughs> small. Shoot. Female cucumbers. Yeah, well, cucumbers, uh, again, cucumbers should be planted like tomatoes, like um, like uh, courgettes. They can be planted in the greenhouse or tunnel. Now, they are frost sensitive, so do be careful with them. Um, so, which means that if you plant them in your greenhouse, cover them over with some garden fleece at night time. Uh, but yeah, cucumbers and look for female varieties. And that goes back to the F1. They generally female cucumbers, it's the female varieties that actually produce the better fruit, bigger fruit, better fruit. So look for those in the garden centres as well. I'm just looking through some of the... So I did my research on, on this, Boric. I was looking through a couple of different things on your blog <laughs> yes. uh, to prepare myself Good. for today. Well done. So I'm learning as I go along. Yeah. <laughs> so bear with me, bear with me. Um, tomatoes, peppers and chilies. Yeah, anytime, you know, tomatoes are available at the moment. Um, peppers and chilies, they'll be coming available in the next couple of weeks. So all of those can be started now in in the greenhouse. You do need a greenhouse or tunnel or you need a nice bright windowsill to grow those on. Because you can't put them into the into the garden. You can't put them into the garden because the frost will, will kill them at night time. So there's, they're the sort of plants you need to be protecting and keeping inside. But if you've got a greenhouse and tunnel, that's the perfect environment for it. Or a nice bright windowsill, pot a couple of tomato plants up, start growing them on with a view to planting them out of doors you know, about the first week of May, the second week of May. So yeah, they're the sort of things to be to be thinking about. And it's not too late to sow tomatoes from seed. You can still do that if you wish. Sow them on a seed tray, exactly like I mentioned about the sunflowers, same sort of treatment. Um, and you get them to germinate very, very quickly at this time of year. And what about hedging plants? Well, it's a great time to plant hedging plants. Like it's a good, this, t- this time of year is a real good planting time. We're coming to the end of the bare root season, which means that's the, the, the season where nurseries offer their plants without pots. So it's the cheapest time to put in a hedge is actually at this time of year. So if you go into your local garden centre, they'll have bare root laurels or bare root privet or white thorn. And so you've got about another two to three weeks to get those plants into the ground. It's a great, great time to plant them, but it's also a very it's probably the most inexpensive time to put in a hedge is is over the next two to three weeks, right up to about the first week of April. Um, pruning hedges, yes, cut them back. Feeding them, yes, this is the time of year to, to start them off now and tidy them up. So there's a real sense of kind of getting out into the garden over the weekend and next week, tidying the garden up, getting helping spring to k- kickstart and feeding plants, pruning plants, putting plants back into the garden. That's really my key message for people. They can go onto my blog on horkins.ie and there's a list of jobs that can be done right through the month of March and, and I've put the various months together yeah. so you've a, there's no reason that you can't be doing something in the garden each month. But go onto the blog there, it's horkins.ie. There's lots of information there and... Um, you know, it's a, it's a good source for, for ten hints and tips or, or drop into the garden centre if you wish mm. and, and uh, the team will give you plenty of advice. I tell you, you've, you've covered some ground today. There's no doubt about that, Porik. Uh, we'll, gi- we'll give you a couple more questions before we go. Yeah. We still have a bit of time. So can you get hanging baskets with good quality artificial flowers now? 
Oh, you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I shouldn't be advocating artificial flowers. But yes, you can. <laughs> it, it surprised me how, how good the uh, artificial flowers have become over the last number of years. So yeah, they're they're available garden centres at the moment if you want a bit of instant colour. But it's also a great time of year to put a bit of colour back into baskets. So things like the pansies and the cyclamen and the, the primulas that I mentioned earlier, if you want to add a bit of colour to t- tubs and containers, there's nothing like the real thing. And there, there's plenty of colour there available, particularly coming up to St. Patrick's weekend. There's no fun in artificial flowers. There isn't really. No. There's no work in them either, <laughs> having said that. And probably that's what the listener is thinking, that we may, may want a basket that's going to be, you know, out of reach, uh, something that they can put up and forget about. And they are very realistic now, I have to say that. But there's nothing that can beat the real thing. Okay, final question. Porik, I have flower beds which mainly have small shrub and heathers in, but a very long, strong grass growing uh, if you pull still leaves... Oh God! They probably have grass growing through. Is there anything I can spray to get rid of? uh, Get rid. Daffodils are starting to come up in these beds now. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's grass, if it's grass, the there is a product called Fusilay that just kills the grass without affecting the plants. So it's a particular weed killer that just kills grass. uh, without affecting trees and shrubs. So let the grass grow, leave it for about another two or three weeks, allow it to show itself, and then you can treat it. The other thing you could use, there's a good product made by, um, it's Roundup Gel. It's like hair gel. And where you've got weeds kind of poking themselves up through plants that where you cannot pl- spray the entire bed, you can just spot treat with the gel. So it's like it's literally like hair gel, put on a, gla- a plastic glove and just touch the actual grass with the treatment and that will kill that particular weed and obviously you're not touching any of the ornamental plants the heathers or the shrubs so there's no effect and no damage done so that's a that's a particularly good product roundup gel look for that one it's good for spot treating here and there are completely out of time you won't join me next weekend you will you i i don't think i don't think i'll be here next weekend i do believe deirdre is back she's back next weekend yeah so Completely out of time, Pori. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, James. Thank you. Again, next week and horkins.ie. Horkins.ie or you can call us on 09490314435 and the team will take any questions there. Pori, it's been a pleasure. Good. Thank Thanks, you. James. Stand by. News is next and following that, Michael Neary on the way with the best of Irish and American country through till one o'clock.